Hi, I'm Adri, and I'm going to tell you how Hoover damn you crazy. I'm Alan, and I'm going to give you the history of the waistcoat. I'm Chris, and I'm going to tell the story of a monk, a handkerchief, and a pizza delivery guy. What do all of these stories have to do with the word vest? Find out in this week's episode of History Bluffs. Welcome to another episode of History Bluffs, where truth is stranger than fiction. I want to welcome to the stage your host, Carlos. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, everybody else. Hi, I'm Carlos. Thank you all on the internet and out in the world. Thank you for joining us for History Bluffs, where, as Adam said, truth is stranger than fiction. What is History Bluffs, you ask? I don't know why you're even watching if you don't know that, but I'll tell you anyway. Maybe it was an accident. You clicked on the wrong thing. Three armchair historians will be given a single topic. They will tell you a story from history about that topic. Now, two of them will be telling you a factual story that's factual and actual, and it really happened. But one of them will be making the whole thing up, the titular bluffer. Oh, that's the game in a nutshell. But before we get started with the game, let's meet our armchair historians and get to know a little bit about them. Starting with our first guest, Adriana. How are you doing, Adriana? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully. The weather's nice here in Chicago right now. That's where I am. I think you're all in Orlando, but I'm in Chicago, and we're holding around 40 degrees. It's 37, actually. Still nice. Good enough. Uh, Adriana, if there was any moment in history that you could photobomb, what moment would that be, and what expression would you put into the camera? Uh, Queen Elizabeth's coronation, and I'd probably just be like, what's up? Deuces. All right. Keep nice. It simple, you know? Not, and you're not going too what's far up? in the past where things will get crazy. It's still, you're still in a civilized world, right. and then the coronation even more civilized, yeah. if anything, over-civilized. Thank you very much, Adriana. Over, next for sure. armchair historian is Mr. Allen. Allen, what's going on? Hello. Same hey, question, but chilling. you here. All right. Same question, but you can't Same be question. in uh, the Queen's court. Where would you photobomb in history? Any point in history, let's say the camera goes with you. So any point in history. <laughs> it's got to be Washington crossing the Delaware. I'd be that dude on the side of the boat and be like, ah, <laughs> like stealing his thunder. Nice. Nice. Yes. That's what Washington needs to be knocked down a peg or two. OK, exactly. those teeth weren't wooden. Spoiler alert. All right. <laughs> Finally, our last armchair. Look it up. It's a disturbing story. Our last armchair historian is Chris. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing well. Doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good, Chris. Hey, I got a question for you. Are you the bluff? I cannot, I cannot tell whether I'm the bluff or not until the end of the show. You're mm -hmm. good, Chris. All right. Chris, same question for you as the others. If you could photobomb any moment in history, what would it be? And let's let's go back a little bit farther than uh, the 1700s. Okay. 
um, I would uh, photobomb uh, The Last Supper, and um, I would do, do like one of these guys, like next to Jesus with the little hand right there. With the hand right there. Well, like, is it like the Vinci Code, like where it's uh, an aggressive hand, or is it just you're pointing at the food you want Jesus to pass? No, I'd be pointing at, <laughs> at, at, the, at him, like, like, oh, I know this guy. I know that. Hey, I'm with him in the background. All right, that's a good photo bomb. That is a good photo bomb. Okay, great answers from everyone, but we're not here to talk today about time traveling photo bombs. We're here to talk today about our topic. Okay, Adam. Speaking of Adam, what is our topic for tonight? Today's topic is vest. Ooh. Today, tonight, time is for the construct on the internet. That's what I meant. Vest. Hey, you know I love them. Boom, you can ask around. And you know, I dig my vest. And we're going to talk today about vest from throughout history. Okay? Now, the historians have been given the topic prior to the show, not too far prior, a little bit prior, so they could do some quick and dirty Google slash chat GBT AI research, okay? Uh, and they can either research the truth or they could research a bluff and tell us the story that sounds true, but maybe it's not. One of them, at least. All right. Now, we're going to have three rounds. Each armchair historian is going to go in each round. Our first round is going to start with, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, 75 seconds for the first round. That's right. Then 60 seconds for the second round. Then 45 seconds for the final round. So we'll have less and less time to tell us their story and try to convince us and the viewing audience at home, both live and taped, if they are the truthers or if they are the bluffers, okay? Um, now, audience members, please don't fact check our historians or if you know, if you like, I know that guy's lying, don't comment it, don't spoil it for the rest of it, just leave it as a surprise, but if you don't know you can genuinely comment and ask questions and things like that, you can guess and who you think it is and why uh, as long as you don't know. Uh, Feel free to comment throughout the game. Uh, Now here are the rules of the game. Historians are inspired by the topic. They can talk about vests from history or things that remind best reminds them of this and this is about history uh the true stories are for the most part factual uh there may be a little elaboration we are comedic people after all but for the most part they're factual stories the bluff story is for the most part fictional they may pepper in a little bit of the truth to make it taste like a better bluff but they're mostly fictional and as we said before no audience help is allowed Wonderful. Uh, Before we reveal who the bluff is, we're going to give you, the audience, a chance to guess one more time. We're going to give our contestants a chance, our armchair historians a chance to guess one time, and then we will reveal who the bluff is from round to round. Now, I think we're ready. Adam, let's get to round one. Round one. (laughs) I probably blew out the sound thing with my yelling. No, it's exciting. We love it. We love it. I've got the Round Tracker 9000 up, so we know where we are in the show. Beautiful. The Round Tracker 9000, patent pending. Okay, (laughs) wonderful. So we're in round one, and let's start with Adriana. We're going to start with you in round one. Okay, you're going to have 75 seconds on the clock and begin to tell us your story that is inspired by the word vest. 
Yes. All right. So my story is called Hoover Dam You Crazy, but it's actually not about Herbert Hoover, who the Hoover Dam is named after. It's about J. Edgar Hoover and his over investigations of, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Martin Luther King Jr. So little backstory. Um, uh, J. Edgar Hoover is most notably known as the director of the FBI. He served for them for 48 years, worked under six presidents, everyone from Roosevelt to Nixon. Now, generally, he's known for taking the FBI that was like a small little uh, federal agency to be one of the world's best uh, law enforcement agencies ever. Like there's offices everywhere in the world and people really regard the FBI as a like outstanding agency. Uh, with the passage of the Freedom Information Act of 2000, his abuses and his personal crusade against Dr. Martin Luther King, one of the leaders of the civil rights uh, movement, has become public knowledge and um, they were all published. Uh, abuses like uh, wiretaps, blackmail, spying, uh, the poison pen letter, which if you don't know what that is, please Google it. It's crazy. Um, and suggestions of suicide and publishing his private affairs. Uh, ah. it, gets, it gets good. It gets good. Stick around. Ooh, it gets saucier it gets from good. there. All saucy. right. Adriana, thank you for sharing your historical uh, thing about the investigation of Dr. MLK Jr. Uh, very great timing, too, as we just a day or two ago passed uh, right. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, day observed. Yes. All right. Now, <laughs> funny time. So invested in this clever, clever audience member. Uh, but, Alan, are you invested in this story? Or yes. you think it's uh, full of CIA lies? It could be. Oh, so it was the it was the CIA or the FBI that Hoover was in charge of. The oh, FBI. sorry, excuse FBI. me, the FBI. That was my mistake. My apologies. just checking, just checking. Um, so yeah, it's, so far it's facts about J. Edgar Hoover, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. I, I think one of the more famous things he was known for was. Uh, well, cross-dressing, but that was revealed after his career was over. But um, maybe we'll get to that and we'll find out if he, in fact, did prefer to wear a vest or a dress. Mm. <laughs> okay, either way, Alan doesn't mm -hmm. seem to be challenging your story, Adriana. Let's see if Chris feels the same way or if Chris wants to invest himself in challenging your validity. I mean... Abuses of power in the U.S. government? Really? Uh... It's a stretch. Listen, I, I want to hear. I want to hear more. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Adriana has. Okay. Both that of our. Uh, I made it to the other... next round. Yes, you did. Otherwise, you would have eliminated right now. New rule. But that's not happening. But Alan may be eliminated right now because we're making up new rules. Alan, you're going to have 75 seconds on the clock. You better tell a good story. Right. Boot your ass out of here. All right. When you hear the gong, you may be gong. Well, mine's all about the waistcoat, better known as the vest. And they were actually invented in the mid-1600s. Uh, now, I'm going to skip to today why we feel like vests are probably no longer as in fashion as they were hundreds of years ago. One reason is eyewear, particularly during the mid-19th century. It's one of the reasons why vests were popular at that point because of um, the popularity of the monocle. And you would often uh, have a fob that would link your monocle to an upper pocket 
in your vest or a loop that was in your vest and having it there was very convenient for people to store the in their upper pocket their monocle as well as uh, attaching the, the, the fob. But speaking of fobs, one of the most popular ways to tell time was the pocket watch. Now, obviously today we have wristwatches or even smartphones, but the invention of the wristwatch uh, after the First World War, made uh, the the pocket watch supremely unpopular, and yet one more reason why people today rarely wear vests or waistcoats. Oh, perfect use of time, Alan. Other armchair historians, is Alan's story filled with monocles or malarkey? Adriana, what do you think? Um, so far, I, I feel like it's just very straightforward, fashion, fashion forward. Um, interesting. I'm invested in it. I'm invested in his vest. Um, I did, I never put two and two together that those little pockets on a vest were actually four things, not just tiny hands. So, you know, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to, to be educated here. <laughs> All right, Adriana is ready to be educated, but Chris, are you ready to be uh, suspicious? I, you know, I, I uh, kudos to Alan for uh, having the audacity to start his story with um, waistcoats were created at first in the 1600s, but I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to jump to today and total, <laughs> total red herring. Uh, and then he said that no one, no one wears vests today. Meanwhile, our host is wearing one as we speak. So I am highly skeptical of Alan so far because I can see him wearing a vest. I can see Carlos wearing a vest. Alan, the proof is on my pudding. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, don't worry about my green tarp, Drake. Got audience members picking on your backdrop, Carlos. All right. (laughs) He's in another room. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, random internet person who I don't know. See, we have, when, when we release this on the audio, we have to be, be able to paint the picture visually for Carlos's backdrop. Oh, I yes. got a green tarp behind me. The end. It's a green screen that's not hung well in the story. I paint a beautiful scene picture. Chris, your 75 seconds are on the clock. It's oh, time for man. you to Uh-oh. share your historical story or historical bluff with us when you hear the BAM go. Okay, it is March 1897 in Chicago, and two men are standing face-to-face in a public square with one pointing a pistol at the other. A priest is standing nearby just in case. The man with the gun fires. The bullet hits the other man in the chest, and he drops to his knees. But almost immediately, he stands up, raises his hands without a scratch on him, and the crowd goes wild. The bullets were real, not blanks, and the man who was shot was named Kazimierz Zeglin. He was a Polish immigrant and former monk, and he had emigrated to the United States and settled in Chicago shortly before a group of anarchists assassinated Chicago Mayor Carter Harrison Sr. Well, Zeglin was distraught by this assassination, and he picked up on the research of a gentleman named George Goodfellow, who had been a doctor in Tombstone, Arizona, known for a lot of shootings, um, who in 1881 noted in an autopsy that a man who had been shot multiple times, he he was doing an autopsy of a man who had been shot multiple times, and he, he noticed that a silk handkerchief had dramatically slowed down the depth of one of the bullets that killed this guy. So Zeglin was determined to save lives, picked up this guy's uh, research, and we'll find out more in round two. 
All right, we will, we will. Tombstone. Speaking of Tombstone, Alan, Adriana, is Chris R. Bluffleberry? What do you think, Alan? <laughs> uh, he's, he's bluffing, ladies and gentlemen. Um, first of all, that, that a silk handkerchief is like the first, like, idea of oh maybe this could stop a bullet like yeah. suits of armor existed way before silk was stopping bullets yep i think someone at some point was like why don't we put metal in front of our vital organs way before someone was like silk that's the answer yep yep well, <laughs> all of that frodo the hobbit may disagree but adriana what do you think well all of that on top of that you know two men standing outside in march uh, in Chicago, mm, I don't know. It's pretty cold there, like during March as well, right? Yeah. I can attest to it. Well, then, it starts to wind down, but it's still cold. They still got yeah. the heaters going through the end of March. <laughs> and in 1897, there were no heaters there. There were no outdoor heaters. There was just fire. George Goodfellow out of Tombstone. Like, come on. Like, all of these things are just, it's very, it's very hokey, very paramount. I, I can't get past it yet. So... I've got my target on on Chris. Okay, let me see here from our our audience member. Okay, so Tasmanian devil, Polish monk, read some tombstone doctor autopsy that found that silk underpants saved lives. That person is stoned. They're super high. All right, and speaking of stoned people, that takes us to our next round, Adam. Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, time for round number two. All right. Now we're back in round two where the points are still worth nothing. Okay, but this time we're going to get started with Alan. We have some, let's see, where we last left it. I think uh, I think there were very little doubt about Adriana from the other two gents. I think there was a little bit of skepticism towards Alan and a lot more skepticism towards Chris. But maybe I read that wrong. Either way, round two, you each are now going to get 60 seconds to continue your story, whether they're fictional or lational, okay? Starting with you, Alan, when you hear the boom, go. Well, it's funny that earlier someone mentions uh, central heating because that's actually yet another invention that reduced the popularity of the vest, of the uh, the waistcoat. And other things like the invention of the cummerbund, which um, was like a false, you know, front and also belt loops, which uh, create, you know, the ability to keep your pants up with belts. Belts don't go well with uh, with uh, vests, and apparently if you wear a belt with a vest, that's a fashion faux pas. So, you know. But now, to, to appease Chris, I'm going to go back to the beginning, all right? This, I will go back towards the, into the 17th century. Yes, the forerunner of the three-piece suit was appropriated from the traditional dress of diverse Eastern European and Islamic countries. The frock coat was copied from the long zupans, which were worn in Poland and Ukraine. The necktie or cravat was derived from a scarf worn. I'll, I'll get onto it later. Okay. All right, he'll get on to it later. Chris, what are we thinking right now about Alex well, Taylor so far? I am now convinced that Alan and his lovely wife went to a wedding 
<clears throat> recently, and he was admonished for what he was wearing by her, and he's trying to stick up for wearing a cummerbund and a vest and all this other stuff all at the same time, and that's what I'm saying. He's 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 just getting some stuff off his chest. He's re- he's releasing his complaint to Elizabeth through us. He didn't get the vest off his chest, so now he's making up for it with the Drake. The Drake has has a a comment on that right at 7.49 p.m. there, Tech Adam. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Belt plus vest equals the hotness, Alan lies. Uh Uh-huh, there it is. Can't trust my wife with the trust. We gotta maybe cut her off. Cut the Drake off. Hey, Brianna, what do you think of Alan's tale? Well, I, um... I was surprised how quickly that all went went by. Uh, I learned a lot again about the central heating, and I'm super excited because the house that I'm moving into does not have central air or heating. So I think I'm going to buy some vests, and uh, I'm just forever grateful for this this knowledge you're sharing. The knowledge share. Um, I have no further questions. I have no further comments, and um, yeah, we'll see if I survive summer. Pray for me. Mm. Okay, <laughs> let's pray for Adriana indeed. And I know I'm supposed to be an impartial host, but I got to tell you, central heating, central cooling or not, I'm wearing the vest. So <laughs> take that for what it's worth. All right, Chris, you're going to go up next and continue your tale, whether okay. it be tall or truthful. Chris, you're going to have 60 seconds when you hear the boom. Here we go. Now, we move ahead to June 1969 in Detroit, Michigan. Richard Davis pulled up to a house and noticed all the lights were off. He crossed the sidewalk and he asked, did you guys order a pizza? And they replied, yeah, bring it around back. Calmly, he pulls out a 22 caliber pistol that he had for his own safety from his pocket and he hid it under the pizza boxes. He walks around the corner and was confronted by three men in a V formation with a nickel plated automatic weapon pointed right at his face. He fired the first shot from under the pizza boxes, hitting the gunman in the jaw. A firefight ensued and he took down two of the three guys. He was shot twice himself. He runs to his car and he takes off. He would later joke that he beat two men in a gunfight, but unfortunately there were three men there. He, while recovering from his injuries, had an idea. More to come on that in round number three. Oh, excellent use of time. Excellent use of time. And also, excellent use of America's two favorite pastimes, guns and pizza. Uh, Adriana, what do we think about Chris's tale? Is it too tasty to be true? You asking me? No, Adriana. Okay. Okay. So I, I had so many thoughts. Basically, American James Bond. We got Detroit, Chicago, guns, pizza. Uh, like you said, everything that, that we love and the two most dangerous cities with just, there's so many things happening in this story. I can't keep up. I'm just mind blown. Three men, two men, silk, pizza. I, I, there's just nothing but descriptive words. <laughs> the two most dangerous cities with the two most unique styles of pizza. Yes. Coincidence? Oh. Perhaps, <laughs> Alan? All right, so he shoots the first bad guy because the the gun was concealed under a pizza box. You know, just like another scene where the the gun's under the table 
in the Tatooine Cantina by another vested famous character who's also a work of fiction, Han Solo. Oh. This is totally a ripoff. I see your story, Chris, <laughs> but it's still fun to hear. Oh, boy. Alan thinks pizza guy shop first. Uh -oh. oh, no. Very controversial stance. Very retconny of the story. Is that an Adriana? accusation? Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. An accusation for a bluff has occurred. I'll, I will, I'll throw the blue flag. That is, there it that is. is a bluff on the field. There it is. <laughs> All right, we're going to put that in instant replay. And while we work on that, Adriana, <laughs> it's your turn to get to round two of your story. Like the others, you'll have 60 seconds on the clock. You can begin when you hear the boom. There comes the boom. Get ready for it. Okay, so Hoover saw... Uh, Martin Luther King as basically uh, an enemy of the state. He thought that he was spreading communist and communism uh, lies here. And he just said, I'm going to destroy this guy. And he got very, very close. Um, most recently, uh, on top of all the other reports that have come out, a report uh, initially published by the Associated Press and later confirmed by Scotland Yard and the BBC writes that Hoover himself had planned a full-scale kidnapping plot to kidnap Martin Luther King and hold him hostage to brainwash the communism out of him. Uh, the plan was to kidnap, kidnap him during his layover in London uh, while he waited to connect to his flight to New York City in the summer of 1967, um, which was the year before he was assassinated. Uh, he was returning from Oslo, Norway, where he was um, uh, doing his acceptance speech for the Nobel Peace Prize. And um, the report details that an unknown African-American actor living in... Oh, it gets good. Oh, boy. We got, we got, we got a cliffhanger here from Adriana. Chris, yes. what are you thinking? Carlos, what I'm thinking is I actually have a question for you, Carlos. Do you remember when Muhammad Ali dated Eleanor Roosevelt? I do not remember that. You do not remember because it didn't happen. I don't think this story happened. <laughs> I don't think this story happened at all. Uh, she is she is throwing out all these you know facts about you know what we know. But what got me was Scotland Yard and BBC corroborated a story about the FBI. Ah, I'm skeptical. Well, the, the oh, alleged kidnapping crap. was to take place in London, so Scotland Yard was aware of everything that happened. Oh, there you go. Chris is getting skeptical, though. I mean, this is the Chris Associated Press and BBC. Those two are serious, so I'm not mm. questioning it. Okay. All right, Alan, are you questioning it? I remember the scene in Ghostbusters where Bill Murray's character says, if we think J. Edgar Hoover, then J. Edgar Hoover is going to come and destroy New York City. Well, that also <laughs> was a work of fiction. I'm just saying. Um... But otherwise, uh, we've got a whole bunch of comments that the uh, audience has been making. <laughs> we, there, we, uh, do. Adam, we do. We do. Adam, you're love. dropping the ball over here, oh, man. Oh, my God. Oh, All actually, right, Rich says, I've never worn a vest with my fashion faux pas remark. I hope he is fine. <laughs> That's Rich, right. We, Rich has done, I've probably done the same fashion faux pas, Rich, so don't feel okay. too bad. That's Rich, true. yeah, Rich isn't. Yeah, Rich doubts your story just because it makes him look bad. <laughs> if you're if you're telling the truth, Elizabeth is concerned uh, reach about out your lack for help, of AC. AC or heat in Florida. That's is that right, a commercial, Drake? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you're she doesn't put a want Adrian to have no it? AC in Florida. 
Han Solo uh, <laughs> can wear a vest or a belt or whatever. Okay, clearly a very right. erudite audience following right. our show tonight. And most relevant from some... the most recent uh, round here, we have uh, Scotland Yard and BBC equals a follow-up series <laughs> of Downton Abbey. Uh, I would watch it. Off. I would watch hey, it. Hey, the Downton Abbey-verse. I'm all for it. Why Indeed. not? Indeed. Uh, isn't Sister Act part of that universe? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I've never seen a Queen of England wear a vest. Coincidence? <gasps> he oh. thinks not. Mm. Indeed. Could mean anything. All Carlos. right. You know what, kids? Uh, but we've now, we are first the first time we're having some skepticism about Adriana's story. Ooh, and I okay. thought when Alan was challenging it, he was going to quote the movie Selma. He pulled out <laughs> Ghostbusters. Okay, that's fine. Uh, okay. Alan, take us to round three. Let's go to round three. All right, we're back from round three interstitial. It's the final round, gang. It's your last chance to collect information before you, the audience, guess who you think the bluff is and who you think is telling the truth. So we've already started round one with Adriana. We started round two with Alan. So round three, we're going to start with you, Chris. We're going to start with you, and you're going to finish your tale, and we're going to decide if you're full of it or if you're truthy. Okay. Uh, When you hear the boom, begin. So, Kashmir Zheglin designed a vest that would be used widely in the early 1900s and prove highly useful against bullets of that era. And then seven decades later, motivated by being shot himself, Richard Davis created a more modernized bulletproof vest using ballistic nylon that had been used in flak jackets in the Vietnam War. And he proved the effectiveness of those to police departments by shooting himself in the chest in demonstrations. Together, they laid the foundation for continued enhancements in body armor technology, a field that Charles Davis's son still works in today and are jointly credited with saving the lives of thousands of police officers, servicemen and women, and security personnel around the world. Chris ended his story right on time. Suspicious or so truthful? Uh, Alan, what do you think? Uh, so he's talking about how the Vietnamese, uh, Vietnam War flak jackets are where we got the technology from. Uh, we we know that the bulletproof vest was invented by Marty McFly in 1855. Let's stop. <laughs> Let's stop with this nonsense. It's not that late of an invention. Okay. All right, Alan, I just want to say just because the character appears on the <laughs> thumbnail for our show does not make that historical figure. <laughs> our thumbnail is for promotional purposes. It may be fictional characters. It may, Marty McFly is a character from You're a story. breaking his heart. <laughs> Adriana, uh, what do you think? And please don't reference uh, the Dr. Doc guy from uh, our thumbnail. Doc Holiday from our thumbnail. He is also, he, he's based in reality, but Val Kilmer's uh, version of it is fictional. Gotcha. All right. Well, there goes that comment. Uh, I just have a quick question for Chris. Um, yeah. Chris, when you were preparing for this week's uh, extensive uh, research, did you Google what are fabrics uh cashmere <laughs> silk uh, oh. <laughs> you know like it's just i don't know i've got my i've got i know who's the who's the bluffer i'm ready Ooh, to say adriana it. knows she's all ready to guess she's, she doesn't need any more information she knows who the bluffer is yeah she's mm. thrown down, <laughs> thrown down. 
Well, Throwing luckily down. for you, Adriana, we have no more rounds. This is the <laughs> final one. But we do need to hear from two other people, yourself being one of them. And in fact, the next one, Adriana, this is a final round for you to make your final case to convince okay. the audience and yes. the rest of your fellow armchair historians uh, whether or not you are telling the truth or bluffing. When you hear the boom, you will have 45 seconds. There you go. Okay, so lots to cover here. Uh, the report details that an unknown African-American actor living in Los Angeles had been hired and fully trained to impersonate MLK and was in New York City in costume and ready to take on the persona when the plot was foiled and the plan was called off. The unnamed actor was forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement and was paid $1 million for his silence. He remains unknown to this day. As the kidnapping was to take place, Hoover's deputies became very nervous and they suggested like, hey, we shouldn't do this. This is going to be logistically impossible to have this actor impersonate him for an extended period of time. Um, and they feared that the, there was going to be a backlash from the public to further spread the word of communism and the civil rights, which they didn't want at all. Um, yeah. Oh. That's it. That's it. All right. Adriana is uh, stating that there was an ML foe uh, ML fake Martin Luther King. Uh, what do you think about that, Chris? Well, I saw that movie. Uh, it's called The Eagle Has Landed, and it's about the Germans kidnapping Winston Churchill. So I am equally as skeptical <laughs> about Adri's story as she is about mine. Okay, equal skepticism, which knocks out each year's skepticism's next zero of skepticism. So it's up to Alan to determine how skeptical he is. P.S. Chris, I also saw the movie. It was called Dave, and there was a fish this big. Alan, what do you think of Adriana's story? All right. Uh, in this story, we've got an actor trying to fool people into being a communist or that MLK is a communist. I don't take the words of actors. I believe in my historical <laughs> figures, Marty McFly, Peter Venkman, and all the others that we've referred to. And even Elizabeth is mentioning her <laughs> lack of faith in improv actors. Thank you. And uh, there are a whole bunch of other comments we can bring up. I don't think Elizabeth's statement backs you up, Alan. I don't think it's a uh, She has a lack of faith cause. in improv. Of actors. So, <laughs> Alan, Alan, how do you make a living? Can you remind me again how you make a living? Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not talking about the other Okay. Uh, all right. I won't worry about it, but I have to worry about it, Alan, because you are the final person in round three. It's your last chance to make your case and convince everyone in the audience, i.e. P, Rich, and the Drake, that you are not the bluff. When okay. you hear the boom, you okay. will have 45 seconds to make your case, sir. In 1666, King Charles II was referring that he was going to wear a long piece donned beneath his coat that was meant to be seen. The sleeveless garment may have been popularized by King Charles II based on the facts that a diary sent by Samuel Pepys in 1666 records, the king hath yesterday council declared his resolution for setting a fashion for clothes. It will be a vest. I know not well how, but it is to teach the nobility thrift so there was a purpose behind king charles's revelation that a sleeveless garment should be worn under a coat and that's where the vest all began 
Sylvester, mm. the wife beater of the Renaissance. <laughs> All right. Adriana, what are you thinking of Alan's sale? 1666. That year gives me the heebie jeebies. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just trying to picture a king wearing this and trying to teach his people thrift. Like, I don't know. Kings don't really do that. So that is the one thing that, that has me kind of thinking maybe it's Alan. Yeah, you know, know what? That king wanted to show all his people that in order to be thrifty, you had to go to the gun show and have guns out, suns out. Chris, <laughs> what do you think? I, uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm on board with Adri here. I, you know, it's 1666. Had he said 1662, trying to set a statement, maybe. But by 1666, as we all know, the King Charles II court was just all about opulence and and just you know just depravity, and they didn't care about thriftiness. So I'm 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 saying no, no. As Elizabeth <laughs> as Elizabeth said before, no, Alan, no. Okay. okay. King Charles's court in 1666. We all know the nickname of that court was the Court of Caligula. So Chris might be right. Also, another message from Drake on the comment board. King Charles II, long garment, too fashion specific for Alan to be a bluff. So okay, the Drake yeah, wow. thinks that Alan's not the bluff, but of course she is biased. <laughs> so we can't trust her. Okay. We're done with all three rounds. So, okay. here's what we're going to uh -oh. do first. <laughs> Have we oh, lost yeah. the, the live stream lockup? Lock We've lost the host. The host. Oh, goodness. That's all right. That's why your announcer, Adam, is here. All That's right. right. We, we have heard. I, if we you can hear me, oh, sorry about that. Now we can. He's back. He's back. He's back. Take it away, Carlos. Okay, audience members, if you can hear me, I'm going to say this real quick. Please start making your guesses in the comment section. While you do that, we're going to ask our armchair historians one more time who they think the final bluff is. We'll start with you, Adriano. Who do you think of the other two gents is the bluff? Uh, I'm all in on Chris being the bluff. Um, Alan gave me one little tidbit that really made me question it, but Chris from the very beginning was just all fable. All fable. Chris, all fable, no fact. Adriana is all in. That's a very strong statement. Chris, who do you think the bluff is? Well, for a half a second there, I thought that J. Edgar Hoover had kidnapped you instead of MLK. So, uh, But Carlos, you reappeared. So now I have faith back in, in that not being true. So um, I, uh, you know, I just... I know Dom DeLuise was real. I know the space shuttle was real, but Dom DeLuise never <laughs> delivered mail to the space shuttle. Based on that reasoning, I don't believe Adri's story here. There's a lot of facts in there just kind of thrown out. And um, I'm going to say Adri. All right. Wow. So All Chris right. negating Adri. Adri negating Chris. Alan, seems like you're the tiebreaker of the three armchair experts. Who mm. do you think the bluff is? Fascinating. Well, it's clearly not me. So, um, <laughs> I don't know where Chris got the Dom DeLuise reference, but okay, I always love a good Dom DeLuise Captain Chaos reference always. to throw into the mix. Um, yeah, I, I think Adri's got a lot of uh, factual information there. The, the Chris referenced uh, that this was invented by someone named Kashmir. Again, it's just like, uh, oh, that sweater looks good. Sure, that's the vest. 
That's the bulletproof vest. I'm pretty sure that the whole Han Solo shooting under the pizza box, that's made up. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Chris being the bluff. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think Chris cares. You know why? Because he's Captain USA. Okay. So, we have Alan thinking it's Chris. We have Adri thinking it's Chris. Audience Chris members are voting. It's Adri. What do our audience members think, Adam? Can we put some of those on the board? Also, <laughs> the also it's Chris. That's not a complete sentence, but we get the gist. Mm. Christina says Alan. Ooh, another vote for Alan. Another vote for Chris. That's right. This is some audience. Adri has less votes than everyone. So, uh, all right. So here's what happens now. Uh, Adam is the only one of us that knows. Who, oh, okay, Rich says Chris. 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 That's three more votes against three Chris. Votes. That's literally three votes. Five votes against Chris. Two Fair. votes against Alan. One vote against Adri. So, if Adri is the bluff, then she will have tricked mostly everybody here. She mm-hmm. will have tricked the most people. So, True. if she's the bluff, then she will be the winner. And if she's not, then you know what? Uh, we'll see who is the buff, and we'll count the points that don't exist. Uh, <laughs> Adam, I think it's that time for you to reveal... Who's that bluff? Yes, it is, Carlos. I'm going to ask you to step off of our virtual stage. And I'm going to line up our potential bluffers, our armchair historians, and ask the question that's on everyone's mind. Was the bluff Adri? Was the bluff tonight Chris? Or could the bluff have been Alan? I and I alone know, and I will reveal the bluff this entire time was Adri. (laughs) Well done. Well played, Adri. You had nearly everybody fooled. Fantastic job. (laughs) Who voted for Adri? No one voted for Adri. Did no one? I did. I did. No, Chris did. Oh, Chris got it. Chris did. It was a near clean getaway. We don't have a point system here, but I am going to say that Adri wins this thing tonight. And oh, Chris yeah. is a close second place because Chris is the only one that guessed the correct bluff. But mm-hmm. Adri was able to trick everybody except Chris. That's right. So, Good job. Wow. wow, Adri, that was interesting. You know what, though? I will say this. I was like, wait a second. How I... They could, like, trick America, maybe, but what about his family and his close entourage? They weren't going to get tricked unless they did some surgery on some dude to make him look like MLK Jr. So that's why I was suspicious of you, but I'm the unbiased host, so I didn't want to say anything. Uh, The deputies were with you. They were like, how are we going to convince Coretta... uh, Scott King, I think is her name, that her husband is now a little different in many ways. Uh, the deputies called it off. They called it off. All right. All How right. hypocritical oh. for someone like J. Edgar Hoover to say someone's a little different. Oh, geez, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have bitter audience. Oh, and we have bitter audience. Go drink your giant water bottle, Adriana. <laughs> 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 
Well, <laughs> audience members are getting hostile. It's not personal. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of another episode of History Bluffs and Vest. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us tonight. I will say this, because we just passed MLK Jr. Day, all I'll say is this, just do some research on Martin Luther King Jr. and find out more about what he said. Everybody knows about the I Have a Dream speech, but there's so much more that he said and conveyed. He had so many different opinions. Some of them now are kind of being used to kind of silence uh, groups that shouldn't be silenced. So, you know, if you want to uh, honor the day, do some research on Dr. King and learn more about what he was doing before at the speech and then after the speech, what he was all about. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming out tonight to another exciting episode of History Bluffs. You can join us right here, same bad time, same YouTube channel, right here, 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern, next Wednesday and every Wednesday. We will see you all next week. Tune in next time for another exciting History Bluffs where truth is stranger than fiction. You heard it from Carlos. Tune in again next week. We will see you then. 